we study through this passage tonight. I pray you'd give me the words to say. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be able to learn from your Bible tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Hosea chapter number 4. And like I said, we've been studying through the book of Hosea on Wednesday nights. We've gone through the first three chapters of Hosea. And what you need to understand about the book of Hosea, it's this. That the previous three chapters uh, were kind of phase one or part one of the book of Hosea. And in chapter two, we just completely change gears and, and the, the entire book just takes a, a, a very uh, different uh, just tone or feel to it. And we begin a, a completely different part. Chapters one and three uh, were the story, uh, that story there of Hosea, of his family, and the picture there that we learned from that. And then chapter four, we get into the actual preaching of the prophet Hosea. So we begin to see what this man is saying under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost there. And chapter 4 kind of serves as an introduction for the rest of the book, alright? So chapter 4 is an introduction for the rest of the passage. So for the rest of the book, God is going to begin to explain to us how He's going to judge the nation, how He's going to judge Israel, and all these different things. But in chapter 4, He lays down uh, 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 an argument as to why He's going to do the thing he's going to do. So you really have to understand chapter 4 uh, to understand why God is so upset with the people. And chapter 4 kind of gives us that introduction. Now, what I want you to notice, just as we get started, if you look at Hosea chapter number 4, look at verse number 17, alright? And, and I know it's, toward, it's towards the end of the passage and we're going to get there and see it in its context, but I want you to see this verse there. Verse 17, the Bible says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Now notice what it says. This is God speaking, by the way. you got to understand, it's the prophet Hosea. But the Bible tells us, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this is God speaking through this man Hosea. And God says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Notice what he says, let him alone. Now you got to understand, you say, well, what's Ephraim? If you remember, and I don't have time to develop this, but if you remember, as we've done different studies before, you had the United Kingdom of Israel with King Saul, with King David, with King Solomon. And you remember when Solomon died, the kingdom was split between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. You had the two kings there, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And if you remember, uh, you know, the southern kingdom was the kingdom of Judah. And then the northern kingdom was the rest of the tribes. And it was primarily the main tribe of the northern kingdom was the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim was like the leader of the northern kingdom. So God is speaking here to the strongest of the tribes of Israel. And God is telling us, and He's really telling Judah... Okay, He's saying, Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. Now here's what God is saying. God is saying, I want you to leave Ephraim alone. He said, he said I'm, I'm done with Ephraim, I'm giving up on Ephraim. Now understand what I'm saying. Because what I just said right now, most people would say, well God never gives up on anyone. But God says here of this nation of Ephraim, He says, He says, Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. He says, leave him be. He says, I no longer want to deal with Ephraim. Now you've got to ask the question, what do you have to do to get to that place where God would say, you know, leave so and so alone? That's pretty 
uh, harsh thing, you and I would think. And God is explaining that through this passage tonight. And I want you to see, look at verse 1, Hosea chapter number 4, verse 1. The Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. So you see that God is going to begin to give us His, He's going to begin to lay down His grievances that He has with the people. And He begins to explain to us, that's why He says, The Lord hath a, by the way, do you see, notice how it says, Hear the word of the Lord. So it's not the word of a man. It's the word of God. He says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Notice what he says, okay? Here's, here's God's controversy. Here's God's grievances. Here are the things that God is upset about. Notice he says, Because there is no truth. You see that? Number one. He says, Because there is no truth nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And really, God just outlined for us the passage, because He says, here is the issue I have with this nation. He says, there's no truth, there's no mercy, there's no knowledge. Now He begins to explain to us what He means by that. Look at verse 2. He says, by swearing, and lying, and killing, and stealing, and committing adultery... They break out, and blood touches blood. Now he's talking about the sins of the land, the wickedness of the land. And God says, there's no, here you say, well, what is he explaining in verse number two? When he says, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing uh, adultery, they break out, and blood touches blood. You say, what are you talking about? Here's what he's saying. He's explaining to them what he means by the fact that when he looks out at the land, he sees no mercy. Now you've got to understand this, all right? nations will begin to show no mercy when they get away from the truth and the knowledge of God. Now you got to understand this, okay? This was a very hardened nation at this time. I mean, to, to be able to say, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Here's what he's saying. He's saying blood is running on the street. He's saying one person's blood is touching the blood of another individual because of the crime and the violence. Now, I, I'm a very young man. You know, I haven't lived as long as, uh, as many other people have, you know, but I, I know I've talked to a lot of people from the older generation. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, there used to be a time in our country where people didn't lock their front door. You know what I'm talking about? There was a time where people just left their, their keys in their car when they went to the store. They didn't lock their windows. Everything was fine. And, and, and today is not the case. Today, I mean, you are crazy. Could you imagine going to, like, the Arco gas station and just leaving, you know, you're going to go in and grab a soda and you just leave your car, your key in the car? Good night. Someone would just run in and steal it. You know, to leave your door unlocked, to leave your windows open, to just, you know, you say, well, well what changed? Well, I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? What changed? I mean, do you understand that 50, 60 years ago when people had, when, when kids could go to the park, when kids could play in the back, in the front yard, when kids could, could, could walk to school or walk wherever, and you weren't worried and paranoid that somebody was going to get, I mean, were people any less people back then than they are now? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, they're still human beings. So what happened? Our society has obviously progressed to a place where God might look down and say, there's no mercy. It's a very hardened nation because of the violence, because of the swearing, because of the stealing and the adultery and blood touches blood. Look at verse 3. Therefore shall the land mourn 
It says, a very sad land in which you live, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. The word languish means they're dispirited. It means there's no hope. He says, with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Now, you got to understand this, and this is Bible study night, so we're going to kind of go uh, slow through this and really study the Bible. But here's what you got to understand. Hosea chapter number 4 is almost a parallel passage to the New Testament chapter of Romans chapter number 1. And let me show you what I mean by that. Keep your finger there in Hosea chapter number 4. And go with me to the New Testament, to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 1 in your New Testament. You've got uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And then you've got the book of Romans there. Romans chapter number 1. And Romans chapter 1 we studied before when we were preaching through the book of Romans. And it's a very interesting book there. But I want you to notice a few things. In Hosea chapter 4, God talks about the fact that the land has no mercy. And in Romans chapter number 1, He gives us a very similar description. Look at Romans chapter number 1. Just look at verse number 29. Now, if I were you, I'd put my bulletin or... uh, uh, bookmark or something there in Romans chapter 1 because we're going to be going back and forth throughout the passage tonight. But look at Romans chapter number 1. Look at verse number 29. Look what the Bible says. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. The word malicious or malice means to desire to cause injury. He says, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity. The word malignity means to injure or to hurt. He says, whispers, verse 30, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable. The word implacable means without mercy. Okay, that's what the word means. Are we talking about a society that has no mercy? Talks, uh, the word implacable means someone who is not able to be appeased. Someone who does not have the ability to calm down. Someone who who's just, would get so mad. He says there will be a society with people that are implacable. Look at the last, last uh, word there in verse 31. Unmerciful. Do you see that? See, it is possible... And it is, and see, you and I live in our society today, so we think, well, this is normal, this is how it is, this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to just not trust anyone, you're supposed to just constantly be looking, you know, over your shoulder and making sure that people... But see, God says that this is not how He wanted humans to live, you know, uh, 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 with each other. And He says, when a society gets to a place where you would describe it in, the, in such a way that it is unmerciful, that it is dangerous, that it is violent, He says there's a problem there. And God says to the children of Israel... Okay, because we're talking about, in the context here, he's talking to the children of Israel. He says, your society has gotten to this place, and he says, I'm going to judge you for it. But I want you to see there in Romans chapter 1, that the Roman society had gone to the same place. And by the way, the American society has gone to the same place. There There is no mercy. God said, I'm going to judge you, because there is no mercy. You say, well, why? Is there no mercy? Are you, can you go, get back to Hosea chapter 4? Now keep your finger or something in Romans chapter 1, because I want you to see a few things there. But go back to Hosea chapter 4. You say, why? how did we get to the place where we're at in our society? I mean, I, I remember even, I, I'm a very, like I said, I'm a very young man, but I remember even when I was a child, you know, going down the street to the park. You think I'd let my kids go down the street to the park by themselves? You're crazy. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You say, what has happened? What has happened?
into society that God would look down. You say, well, why, is it, why does it matter that there be a society that is not hardened or has mercy? Go, go to the book of Proverbs real quickly. Proverbs, go, you want to go, if you're in Hosea there, go towards the left in your Bible. If you find the book of Psalms there, it's right before, right after the book of Psalms, excuse me. Proverbs chapter number, uh, let's see, where do I want you? Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. And look at verse number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. And look at verse number 3. God says, I, I looked down to society and He said, I noticed that there's a few things missing. He says, there's no mercy. He says, there's no knowledge. He says, there's no truth. You say, well, what's the big deal about the mercy? Mercy is what keeps you compassionate towards someone. The word mercy means to have compassion showed towards someone who has offended you. It means to have love towards someone. Are you there in Proverbs chapter number 3? Look at verse number 3. This is how God thinks about mercy. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. He says, let not mercy and truth. We haven't talked about truth yet, but I want you to notice it's there also. He says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. You say, why should you have mercy? Why should you have truth? God is saying, mercy is so important. He said, I want you to bind it about your neck. He says, I want you to keep it with you all the time. Look at verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Say, how can I find favor with God and man? Have mercy and have truth. And when God looks at a society and says there's no mercy there, He says that's very upsetting to me. Now you say, well, how do you get to the place where there's no mercy? Go back to Hosea chapter 4, look at verse 6. There is no mercy because of the fact that there is no knowledge of God. Are you there in Hosea chapter 4? Look at verse 6. Look what God says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. See, God says, there's no mercy in the land. He says, because of the fact that there is no knowledge in the land. Now, you've got to understand this, okay? Keep, keep your finger there in Hosea. Well, actually, look at Hosea chapter 4. Look at verse 5, just real quickly. Look what it says. Therefore, shalt thou fall in the day... And the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Here's what you understand. God says there's no knowledge. Now notice, He didn't say, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And referring to the fact that there is no knowledge in the land. He's referring to the fact that there's no knowledge of God in the land. And when God refers to the fact that there needs to be knowledge of God, the person He blames is the spiritual leadership. He says, look, you're going to be like the priest. Look at verse 8. They eat up the sin of my people, talking about prophets and priests. They set up their hearts on their iniquity, and there shall be like people, notice what he says, like priests. And I will punish them for their ways, and reward them their doings, for they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredoms, talking about the priest, and shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Now keep your finger there in Hosea, and go with me to the book of, uh, let's see, Isaiah, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah, chapter number 3. Jeremiah. If you're there in Isaiah, you want to turn towards the left there in the book of Daniel. And then go to Jeremiah chapter number 3. Jeremiah chapter number 3. I want you to see this. Jeremiah chapter number 3. He says, there's no mercy. Why is there no mercy? Because there's no knowledge. Why is there no knowledge? Because of the lack of spiritual leadership. Are you there in Jeremiah chapter number 3? Look at verse number 15. Jeremiah chapter number 3. And look at verse number 15. The Bible says, And I will give you pastors. Okay, talking about spiritual leadership. 
according to mine heart. This is God speaking. So pastors, according to mine heart, look what he says, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now you got to get this. The reason that God gives you a pastor, or the reason that God gives you a church, is that what is the purpose of church? Why do we come to church? Why do we go to Wednesday night Bible study? Why do we go to Sunday night, you know, preaching through the books of the Bible? Why do you go to church on Sunday morning? What is the reason for going? Now most people today will say, well I go to church because of the music, or I go to church because of the activities. I go to church because it's, here's, here's the word I hear all time. It's fun. I'm looking for a church that's fun. But see, God said, look at, verse, look at the verse, Jeremiah chapter 3, look at verse 15, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall entertain you. Is that what it says? He says, which are going to be a stand-up comedian and make you laugh all the time. Is that what it says? It says, I'll give you pastors which shall feed you. What are they going to feed you? With knowledge and understanding. Keep your finger there in Jeremiah, okay? Go to the book of Ephesians, real quickly. Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 11. I know we've seen these verses before, but I want to show them to you again. Ephesians chapter number 4. In the New Testament, look at verse number 11. Ephesians chapter number 4, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, Ephesians 4.11, And He gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. Alright, so He's talking about these uh, leadership positions in a church, these spiritual leaders. He said he, He gave you these for what reason? Look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Look what it says. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the, notice what it says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, God says He gave you a pastor. He says He gave you a teacher. He says He gave them prophets. He gave them apostles. He said, I gave you all these spiritual leadership to, to do one thing, to give you knowledge. Now today, knowledge is down played in our society. Today people say, uh, I read the Bible so I can get some warm, fuzzy feeling out of it and I can feel like God loves me. Now look, there's nothing wrong with getting a feeling when you read the Bible or when you come to church. There's nothing wrong with, with, with feeling like God loves you. But let me tell you something. The primary reason that God gave you a pastor, God gave you a Bible, God gave you a teacher is to give you knowledge. You say, why should I read my Bible for knowledge of God? You say, well, why is that? Are you there in Ephesians? Go to Philippians. Very next book after Ephesians, the book of Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter number 1. Look at verse 9. Philippians chapter number 1. Look at verse 9. Just right after the book of Ephesians, you got the book of Philippians. Philippians 1.9, the Bible says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. Now that sounds like something we all want, right? My, I want my love to abound more and more. Well, How is your love going to abound more and more? Look what it says. In knowledge... And in all judgment. See, God says when your love abounds, it will abound in knowledge. See, you need to understand this. The key thing that God wants from you, you say, God wants my love. No, God wants your not. He wants you to grow in knowledge because when you grow in knowledge, guess what? It will also grow your love. Are you there? You're there in uh, Philippians. Go, go to the book of Colossians. Right after the book of Philippians, you got Colossians chapter number 1. Look at verse 9. Colossians chapter number 1 and verse 9. Colossians 1 9. Just right after the book of Philippians, you got Colossians 1 9. Look what the Bible says. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the what? 
knowledge. Do you see that? That ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So God says, I want you filled with what? I want you filled with knowledge. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Just keep traveling towards the right there in your New Testament. You'll go past First and Second Thessalonians and get to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Look at verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Who will have all men to be saved, alright? So God's will is that every man be saved. Did you see that? Okay, so we're not Calvinists. We don't believe, you know, God saves some and He condemns others and God chooses. No. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he says, who will have all men to be saved. But notice, He doesn't just want all men to be saved. He says, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You see that? So God's priority is this. Yes, you get saved. But He says, I also want you to get knowledge. Go, go to Second Peter. Keep traveling towards the right there in your New Testament. Towards the end, go past... The book of Hebrews, pass the book of James, and get to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1, look at verse 2. 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. You say, well, how, does, how is grace and peace multiplied unto you? Look what it says. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Say, so, well, how is grace and peace multiplied? Through the knowledge of God. Look at verse look at verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Look what He says. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to the glory and virtue. Look at verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, what does he want you to add to that? Knowledge. Do you see that? Skip down to verse number 8. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren, nor unfruitful. Now notice, he says, I don't want you to be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to go to Second Peter, uh, chapter number 2, look at verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20, just flip a page there. Second Peter 2, 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, now notice this, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, look what it says, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse than that from the beginning. Go, go to uh, 2 Peter chapter number 3. Look at verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3.18. I'm, I'm trying to make a point to you that God puts a high priority on this word knowledge. Are you there in 2 Peter chapter number 3? Look at verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. So, so here's the point that I'm trying to make. Go, go to Isaiah. I know, I know we're looking at a lot of passages, but I thought that's what we were supposed to do at Bible study night. So, Isaiah chapter 58. Go, to, go back to Isaiah chapter 58. You say, you know, God's main priority is for us to grow in knowledge. Here's what you got to understand. You can be a very unknowledgeable Christian. You can be a very shallow Christian and be very emotionally attached. Okay? You can be emotionally attached. It can be exciting. Jesus, Jesus, you know, Bible, church, it's exciting. But you know, God wants you to serve Him in knowledge. The Bible tells us that they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
See, it's not enough for us to get together and say, well, let's, let's just have a rally for Jesus and let's have some, some, some worshiping of Jesus and then we know nothing about Him. See, today, the Bible says, my people are destroyed, there in Hosea, for a lack of knowledge. God, see, what you got to understand is this. The children of Israel in the book of Hosea were a very religious people. But God says they don't know what they're doing. God says they're worshiping a God. They're getting off to church. They're doing a whole lot of things. But He says they are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. He says they don't know how to worship me. They don't know what the Bible says. And see, that's, that's what we have in America today. We have a whole lot of Christians who would give you a thumbs up, you know, for Jesus. Jesus is good. Jesus is great. But they don't know what the Bible says. They don't, I mean, in our own lives, so often we don't even know that we're sinning against the God that we think we're worshiping with our lives. Why? For a lack of knowledge. Say, well, who's to blame? Well, the spiritual leadership. Are you there in Isaiah? Go, go back to Isaiah. Or Isaiah chapter number uh, 4. I'm sorry, no. Isaiah 58. That's where I want you. Isaiah 58. Look at verse 1. You say, well, how is the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist or that spiritual leadership position there, how is he supposed to impart knowledge? Are you there in Isaiah 58? Look at verse 1. Cry aloud. Now the word cry, alright there, is not like our modern day word cry like, like crying like a baby, alright? The word cry in the King James Version means to yell. Alright, the Bible word for crying is weeping. Alright, so he says, cry aloud. He says, I want you to cry aloud. Sometimes people ask my wife, you know, I have to say, why does your husband, when he preaches, why does he yell? Because the Bible says, cry aloud. It says, cry aloud, spare not. Lift up the voice like a trumpet. Is a trumpet loud? He says, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Notice what he says. This is what God says. He says, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. See, God says, I want you to impart knowledge. He says, I want you to show people what their sin is. I want you to show them what they're doing wrong. And by the way, that's what Hosea is doing. He says, I want you to impart to them the knowledge of their transgression and of their sin. Because I'm not as interested in their worship if they're worshiping me while in sin. He says, I'd rather they have knowledge and worship me in spirit and in truth. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And by the way, because of the lack of knowledge, you can go back to Hosea. There's no mercy in the land. Actually, don't go back to Hosea. Go, go to Romans. Did I tell you to keep your place there in Romans chapter 1? Remember I told you that Hosea and Romans 1 are kind of parallel passages? We saw in both of them a description there of a society with no mercy. You say, well, how did we get there? Well, we got there because we have attacked the knowledge of God in our nation. Are you there in Romans chapter number 1? Look at verse 18. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth, notice the word truth there, in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known, you see the word known there? So because that which may be known of God, talk about knowledge, is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. So how did God show the knowledge of Himself? How did God manifest Himself? The word manifest means to, be, to make seen. So how did God make Himself manifest? God hath showed it unto them. How did He do that? Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of, of God, uh, uh, of Him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen. 
being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, God says He revealed Himself through creation. God, He revealed Himself through the, through, through the creation of the world. And by the way, here's what you're going to say. See, everyone is born with a knowledge of God in their heart. People say, I don't believe in God. Somebody taught you not to believe in God. Because that's not natural. It's not normal. You are naturally born inherently with the knowledge of God. Now, you may not know about the God. You may not know about God. You may not know about Jesus. You may not know the redemption. That's why God gave us a Bible to reveal His will to our lives. We understand that. But just through creation, God imparted in you the knowledge of God. Look at verse 21. Romans 1.21. Because that, when they knew God. So did they know Him? Yes, they did. Now notice. Because when they knew God... They glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So see, you get a society that does not have the mercy. Why? Because you attack the knowledge of God. See, you got to understand this. When you teach children in the public school system that there is no God, that there is no heaven, there is no hell. They don't, you don't have to acknowledge God. You don't have to acknowledge the Word of God. You don't have to acknowledge those Ten Commandments, that stuff that they talk about in those churches. Don't worry about that. You know what? You came from a monkey. You came from an animal. When there is no fixed point of reference, there is no reference as to what is right, what is wrong. Do you understand that the only reason that we believe murder is wrong is because God said it's wrong? And if, and if there is no God to say that murder is wrong, then why is it wrong? If there is no God to say that stealing is wrong, then why is it wrong? If there is no God to say that committing adultery is wrong, then why is it wrong? And then we teach children to, to, that they came from an animal, that they'll die like an animal, that there's no responsibility, there's no God, there's, no, there's, there's nothing after his life. And then you wonder why they act like animals. Then you wonder why they walk into a school and, and kill a bunch of kindergartners or shoot up their friends. And you say, why are we in a society with no mercy where children have to go to school and walk through a metal detector to make sure they don't walk in with a weapon? And God would say, there's no mercy there. But see, there's no mercy because there's no knowledge. Because when you remove the knowledge of God, then you remove the mercy of God. And when there's an attack on the knowledge of God, then there will always be an attack on mercy. Say, so how did we get to a society with no mercy? Well, you got there because there's no knowledge. Say, so how did you get to a society? Go back to Hosea real quickly. Look at verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why are they destroyed? Well, it's the social system. It's because the government hasn't, you know, we just need to help these people. No, they are destroyed for this, a lack of knowledge. Do you know that kids in, our, in, in school used to be taught about God? You taught the Bible? Those days are gone. See, God said, I've got a problem. I've got a controversy with this nation. He says, there's no mercy. He says, there's no knowledge. You say, why is there no mercy? Because there's no knowledge. Why is there no knowledge? Point number three. Because there's no truth. You say, what are you talking about? Are you there in Hosea? Chapter 4, look at verse 12. He says, my people ask counsel at their stocks. Okay, the word stocks there is referring to a wooden object, an item. He says, my people do not know about God. So then they ask counsel of a false god. He says, My people ask counsel of their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirits of whoredom have caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. 
See, it says they have turned to idols, they have turned to pagan worship, they have turned to witchcraft. God says, my people, when they should be bowing on their knees and talking and asking counsel of me, He says they bow on their knees in front of a piece of wood, an adamant object, and they ask counsel of something other than God. He says they're given to idolaters. Here's what you understand. Here's step one. You don't worship God because you deny the knowledge of God. And when you deny the knowledge of God, then there's no mercy of God. Look at verse 12 again. My people ask counsel at their stocks. And their staff declares unto them, for the spirit of whoredom hath caused them to err. And they have gone a whoring from under their God. Verse 13. They sacrifice upon the tops of mountains and burn incense upon the hills under oaks and poplars and elms because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore, your daughters shall commit whoredom and your spouses shall commit adultery. He says, because my people are given to idolatry. Look at verse 17 again. Ephraim is joined to what? Idols. He says, because my people are given to idols. He says, they are not worshipping me in truth. They have rejected the truth. They have rejected the knowledge. He says, they have rejected the mercy. I mean, look at verse 13 again. They sacrifice upon the tops of mountains. Are they sacrificing to God? No, they are not. And burning incense upon the hills. Did God ever tell them to do that? No, they are not. Why are they doing what God did not tell them to do? Because they were never imparted the knowledge of God. Are you following what I'm saying? under oaks and poplars and elms because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore, he says, because of the fact, if you see that word therefore, it means because of this reason, because they are given to idols, therefore your daughters shall commit whoredoms and your spouses shall commit adultery. He said you will do things that are immoral because of idolatry. Someone said this. You ought to write this down. Don't forget this. Idolatry always precedes immorality. Idolatry always precedes immorality. Now keep your finger there in Hosea. Go, go to the book of Ezekiel. Right before Hosea you got Daniel. And right before Daniel you got Ezekiel. Now you say, well Pastor Jimenez, I'm not worshipping a wooden object. I'm not bowing myself to some idol. But you know what? An idol is not just something that you worship or, or, or something, although there's obviously a lot of that. But you know, an idol is anything that comes before God. Are you there in Ezekiel chapter 14? I want you to see this. Look at verse 3. Ezekiel 14, 3. Son of man, these men have set up their idols, look what it says, in their heart. You see that? Well, I'm not worshipping a wooden object. I'm not making a golden calf. I'm not going to some Buddha idol and, and bowing in front of it. Okay, but the Bible says you can have an idol in your heart. See, because anything that comes before God, anything that you worship before God, and see, the question is this, are there idols in your heart? Here's what you understand. When God does not have His proper place in our lives, and we are given to idols, idolatry always precedes immorality. You will always have a nation that has no mercy, that is given to violence, that is given to wickedness, when you have a nation that does not have the knowledge of God, you say, why do they not have the knowledge of God? Because they did not give God His rightful place. Do, are you, do you see there in Hosea how they are bowing down to, to stocks? They are, they are worship, you're doing their worship of witchcraft. Ephraim is joined to idols. Go back to, go, go back to Romans chapter 1. Remember we said these were kind of parallel passages? Romans chapter number 1. 
Look at verse... Well, look at verse 21, just so you can remember the context. Because that when they knew God, though they didn't know God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Look at verse 23. And changed the glory of God, the glory of the uncorruptible God, into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. See, you got to understand this, okay? Keep, keep reading in Romans 1. Go, go back to Hosea. Because they give themselves over to idols, they do not give God His proper place. They actually rejected God. Look at verse 7. I want you to see it. We're almost done. Hosea chapter 4, look at verse 7. As they were increased, that means they were, they, were, they were doing good. And by the way, that's usually how it happens. Look what it says. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Usually, when finances are good, the economy is good, everything's going good, that's usually when we walk away from God. You know when we come to God is when we lose our job, when we lose our health, when we lose our family. When we come to the end of ourselves, like it says about the prodigal son, that's usually when we run back home. But the Bible says, verse 7, As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. God says, I'm going to change your glory into shame. Look at verse 14. I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredoms, nor your spouses when they commit adultery. For themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore the people that doth not understand shall fall. I'm really trying to do a good job of explaining this, but I want you, you need to follow what I'm saying. When I read that verse, I think to myself, what is God talking about? I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredoms, nor your spouses when they commit adultery. God says, I'm not going to punish these people. Now, now, just follow what I'm saying. Go to Proverbs real quickly. I know, I know we're looking at a lot of passages, but it's kind of one of these texts that you've got to look at a lot of passages for it all to make sense. Go to Proverbs chapter 13, just real quickly. Proverbs 13. Look at verse 24. Proverbs 13, verse 24. The Bible tells us this about a parent. Proverbs 13, verse 24. He that spareth his rod, talking about uh, spanking, he that spareth his rod, hateth his son. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him, betimes. The word betimes means early. The Bible says that a parent who, the word chasten means to correct. A, a parent who loves his child will correct his child. A parent who spares the rod and lets their kid just run around like a angry animal, you know what I'm talking about, and not correct them ever, he says that parent actually hates their son. Okay? A loving parent will correct their child. Go to Hebrews, real quickly, in your New Testament. Hebrews, I, I just want you to, I, I just want to make this point to you. Hebrews, chapter number, uh, let's see, Hebrews, chapter number 12, look at verse 6. Hebrews, chapter number 12, look at verse 6. So God tells us in Proverbs, a parent who loves their child will correct their child. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 6. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 6. For whom, are you there? I want you to see it. Proverbs, uh, Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. Okay, talking about punishing. And scourgeth. Okay, you say, what does that mean? That's talking about a good old-fashioned whooping. Alright? He's saying, for whom the Lord loveth,
chasteneth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Okay, so when God's punishing you, when God is chastening you, when God is scourging you, what does that mean? Verse 6. For whom the Lord what? Loveth. He chasteneth. So if God loves you, He's going to correct you. If God loves you, He's going to scourge you. Go to Revelation, real quickly. Revelation, chapter number, uh, let's see. Revelation, chapter number 3. Look at verse 19. Revelation, should be fairly easy to find. Last uh, book in the New Testament there. Revelation, chapter number 3. Look at verse 19. Revelation 3.19. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Revelation 3.19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. So who does God rebuke and who does God chasten? As many as I love. Okay, so God loves you. You know, some of you say, I feel like God's just like, God won't let me get away with anything. I mean, I just do this and I just get hit. And I do this and I just get spanked. And I'm always constantly getting corrected. Hey, that's a good place to be. Because when God loves you, He chases you. A father that loves his child will discipline his child. Now here's the thing though. Go back to Hosea chapter 4. When God says, I will not punish your daughters. That's not a good place to be in. You say, well, why would He do that? Look at verse... 17. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Go, go to Romans. I, I, I'm bringing it all together because I want you to see this. And, and this is kind of a hard concept for people to understand whenever I preach this. So I want to make sure you see it from the Bible. Does God ever give up on someone? God never gives up on anyone. Okay. Are you there in Romans chapter 1? Look at verse 24. Wherefore, God also... What? Gave them up. Do you see that? Wherefore, God also gave them up. Now, hold on a second. Why did God give them up? Okay? Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Because they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man. So they refused the knowledge of God. They refused the truth of God. And then God says, okay, you want to reject me? You want to reject my truth? You want to go and become a nation that's unmerciful? That, that's very violent? That's very uh, crude? Look at verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves? Who changes the truth, you see the word truth, of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, he says, for this reason, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was me. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Said We didn't want to retain the knowledge of God. God says in the same way God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The word reprobate means rejected. He said He gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Does God ever give up on someone? See, you got to understand this. The Bible tells us in the book, you can go back to Hosea. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, the Spirit of God will not always strive with men. And you see, God is the, chan- the God of the second chance. And He's the God of the third chance. He's the God of the fourth chance. But He's not all necessarily the God of the 115th chance. Do you understand what I'm saying? There can come a point where you reject God, reject God, reject God. See, they rejected God. There can come a point. Are, are, you, there, are you back in Hosea? Look at chapter 4. Look at verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Look what it says. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, 
I will also reject thee. Do you see that? There comes a point in time where you can reject God and reject God and reject God and God eventually says, you know what? I'm done with you. You know what? You've rejected me too many times. I'm going to reject you now. He says, you know what? I'm not going to even punish your daughters when they commit whoredoms because I only chasten those who I love. He said, nor your spouses when they commit adultery for themselves are separated with whores and they sacrifice their hearts. Therefore people that do not understand shall fall. Now look at verse 15. Look what he says. Though thou Israel, now remember, Israel's the northern kingdom, okay? Though thou Israel play the harlot, okay? Yet let not Judah, the southern kingdom, offend and come not ye unto Gilgal, neither go ye up to Bethaven, nor swear the Lord liveth. Here's what God is telling Judah. He's saying, Judah, I am done with Israel. He said, don't even go there. He said, come not ye unto them. He said, don't even go to those locations, Luke 16, for Israel slideth back as a backslid in heaven. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Eventually, an individual can get to the place. Now look, everybody has a chance to be saved. And God reveals Himself to everybody. He makes Himself known to everybody. The knowledge of God is there. The Word of God is there. And it can help you. It can save you. We understand all that. But eventually, God will get to the place where He says, You've rejected me too many times. He said, Just leave him alone. He said, I'm done with it. He said, I'll give them over to a reprobate mind. He said, well, what do we do? Well, what we do is we get to them before God has given them up. Just look, we're done right here. Look at Hosea chapter 4. Look at verse 4. Yet, let no man strive. The word strive means to make effort. He says, let no man strive, nor reprove. The word reprove means to correct. He says, don't make any efforts. And don't reprove another. For the people are as they that strive with the priest. You know that God, here's what God, God is saying to these people. He's saying, look, don't even make any effort for these people. He said, don't even reprove them. He said, I'm already done with them. He said, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let, let him alone. Could you imagine getting to the place? Could you imagine getting to the place where we're going to go out on a Saturday morning? We're going to go win souls. And God would say to us, don't even bother. I'm done with them. Are you following what I'm saying? Well, we're getting ready to go. Well, I'm going to go give the gospel. And God says, don't waste your time. Don't put any effort into that. He says, I'm not even going to punish them. He said, I'm so done with them. He said, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let them alone. Our country's headed down direction. You say, is, is it there now? I don't think it is, but it's headed in that direction. Why? Because we've rejected the truth of God. Because we've rejected the knowledge of God. And we don't have the mercy of God. You say, well, what do we do? We better go preach them the Bible. Better go get them the truth. You better take the Word of God seriously. Maybe you should increase in knowledge so you can impart that knowledge to someone else. Maybe you should increase in Bible knowledge so that you can go give that to someone else and maybe we can still rescue this country. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church, Lord. And I know that when we preach through these Old Testament prophets, these prophets, they're not messing around. Uh, at times it can be a little dark or even think, good night, is there even a hope? But Lord, we need to hear these lessons and realize that God is not just some Santa Claus in heaven and He's just going to bring you gifts whether you're good or not. God does have a point. I mean, we all, the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. We'll all get to the place where there's no more chance. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray you'd help us to realize 
that sometimes God does give up. Now God is long-suffering. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But if there does come a point where we can reject Him, reject Him, reject Him, and God says, you know what? You've rejected my knowledge. I will reject you. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Lord, I pray you'd help us to not get to that place, that no individual here would get to that place. And help us, Lord, to not get hardened by our society and just get to the place where we think, ah, these people, it's not worth it. Help us to have the mercy and love that we need, the compassion we need to go out and preach the gospel and make a difference, Father. Lord, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.